Hey, this is Tim McKernan, and I am here with Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling, and I have been a longtime Design Air client. What separates you guys from everybody else? It's becoming more common for companies to just get their foot in the door. They try to come up with different ways to upsell. They try to see how much they can make off of a customer as opposed to, hey, we're in there to do a service. We're going to do it well. We're going to do it for a fair price. I don't know how many emails I have received from our listeners who experienced the incredible customer service Design Air Heating and Cooling provides. It's Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. The choice of a lawyer is important and shouldn't be based on an ad. After a serious car accident, people have two questions. Why me and what now? Well, no one knows why you, but I'm Terry Crouppen and my law firm Brown and Crouppen sure can help with the what now. Car repairs, medical bills, lost wages, pain and suffering. We're Brown and Crouppen, and we've got all those answers. All you have to do is call. 222-2222. It's the Brown and Crouppen Morning After. KPNTFM HD2. Collinsville, St. Louis. on the fan pin asking if anyone needed term life policies? Did that happen? <laughs> no way. Jackson, we that. might need to moderate if that's going on now. You want term or whole life? <laughs> it definitely was not Licks. There, but did that happen, KG in O-Town? If it did, I missed that post, but it wouldn't surprise me. There's no way we missed a post like that. There's no possible way we missed it. <laughs> term life insurance policies. Come on. That'd be awesome. Oh, I don't God. see it. But doesn't mean it didn't happen. I say, tell you the other day, I, I read where that's how some people that have a lot of money always ensure that they have a lot of money to pass down. They buy huge life insurance policies and make payments in the thousands a month when they're in their 40s and 50s until they die. And then when they die, their heirs get like 10 or 15 million dollars from the life Ooh. insurance policies. That's how they keep it going. Why don't we do that? One way to keep it going. Yeah, Doug, let's do that. Well, you could if you want to. Leave it for your heirs and not have it for yourself. I don't have any heirs. You're meeting your wife tonight. How's that feel? You never know. Future heiress. You never know. This guy is going to be married by the time he's 28. Anybody want that action? By the time he's 20 and you're 25 now? Uh, yep. 26 in March. And you're going to look back at that Deerberg's experience, picking up that Andrea's. Yeah. Yep. story. Going yep. catty corner to the ball pit at Charcoal House and at that moment. Hmm. That thing changed. Now, does it have to be a religious fit? No. Not at all. Good question, though, Doug. Because some people... A fair question. I know a lot of Jewish people are concerned about that, that sure. the kids are growing up in it right now and not sure. marrying other Jewish people. No. And that's losing not, the faith. That's not a... That's no... It's not like not a, a deal-breaker to me. Mm-hmm. No. There's some people, like some of my friends would probably be like that, but not me. Yeah. Tim, heading to Palm Beach again at the end of January, if you and your old lady want to join. Lots of golf, lots of booze, lots of pool time. Licks works at the club we hang at. He is the valet. That's from the Orson mm. Woods Wacko. Boy, this Orson Woods Wacko is going to Palm Beach in December and then again at the end of January. Yeah, I, I love me some Wacko, but no more of a humble brag than I've ever heard. And I love me some Wacko. But how it starts is so just you know, <laughs> taking a John on over to yeah. Palm Beach. He probably just winters in Palm 
breach. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Right next to one of the Kennedy estates. Uh, maybe oh, where, maybe where Epstein lived. I, uh, Get it cheap. I don't yeah. know what this is in reference to, but it's from Mr. Licks. Oh, my God, no, that's not true. Oh, Doug, okay. Doug, stop reading Yahoo News, you boomer. That's from Mr. Licks. What are we, what are we talking about? I don't know. Is that the life insurance thing? Oh, the life thing? insurance thing, maybe. Yeah. But, no, you can do that. Because even James Carlton said, I asked him about that a couple He was ago. talking about that off air. Yeah. So that's what they do. Yeah, Lex, put a sock in it. Oh! oh. Thought oh. you were in an alliance with him. Uh, I, I really have no alliance. I like I love the Orson with Wacko. Is he in KG and O Town's alliance? Yes. I can't okay. follow these alliances, Doug. There's alliances and factions, and so many of them are in Palm Beach. It's hard to nail them down. <laughs> right. I try to find the richest Key. one. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Lick says again, Wacko, your autocorrect accidentally changed it to Palm when it should have said Pontoon. <laughs> <laughs> and recovering alcoholic, why don't you check what Munger had to say about EBITDA? My finance bros know what's up. That's from Mr. Licks. I don't follow you don't any of that. Repop, do you? Uh, I think you probably go ahead and repop. My finance bros. <laughs> Sounds like a fantasy football league name. <laughs> what up, Licks? KG, you are in the alliance with him. Staunchly. Wow. Do you go to Palm Beach with him? You've been to Palm Beach. I know that. Yeah, not with Licks, but, you know, he's had me on the PJ uh, time or two. Wow. This guy's got a private really? jet. Licks does, yeah. He doesn't. And does okay, he land at Kachina? <laughs> he flew to Kachina. I trust Licks on this one. If anyone knows outside sales, it's a guy like him. That's from Junior the Juice Man. Mr. Licks says, sup, KG. Uh, what is the difference in outside sales and inside sales? I was about sales? to ask the same question. I don't know. We're just dealing with a wealthy audience here on this program. Yeah, balance sheets. Selling nope. long-term life insurance policies on an HD2 fan page. Well, is that inside or outside sales? <laughs> yeah. I think that's outside sales. I'd have to think. I don't know what the difference is. Doug, somebody from inside the building just texted Mr. Lex and said, Sup, King. Who did that? Is it you, Jackson? Or is it KG. KG and Odo. Yes. Sup, King. I need some warm milk and some cookies. Oh. Some cookies and some milk. <laughs> I love how the news yeah, report in the background make, make that it. drop so much better. Yeah, I love it. Wealthy people use the life insurance policies to pay estate taxes also. The life insurance is not taxable, and if you do it right, it doesn't count toward your estate's value. That's from mm -hmm. a lawyer. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, that was another point they made. You don't have to pay taxes on that. Licks is so delusional. That's from Mr. Fong, owner of the dildo shop. Mm. Licks, go take a blindfolded hike. <laughs> Where is it? Walk across I-70. The rough part. Mitch, watch me shoot fireworks all over your boy chest. Come, Steve. Ah, <laughs> didn't need that necessarily. Blindfolded hike. Mm. I'm about to crack a friggin' beer. That's from Ray King. It's too early. Even if it's Friday, it's too early. Not if it's Mick Ultra. Yeah, sponsor of the studios. 95 calories, 2.6 grams of carbohydrates. Doug, the sign is right behind the plow. Huh? I see. It's not that. on. It's uh -oh. not turned on today. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here it goes. Jack. Can we turn now. that on, please? Inside these Michelob Ultra studios. Uh, Lisa Ann's coming up at 9.05. Design air heating and cooling email of the day. First one for the month of December. After Blueberry Pop Pop claimed the month of November yesterday with a big win. Uh, that's at 9.45. Jackson and I dealing with a situation down the hallway from 10 to 11. It's called the Munganess Burkhardt Alton Toyota Balloon Party. Uh, Gabe DeArmond will be with us at 10.15. Doug, which of the conference championship games are you looking forward to most? Georgia-Alabama. Yeah. You know, Jackson, you? Hmm. I will go with... I'm in between UW and Oregon and Georgia-Alabama. Because I think... The Washington-Oregon game could be more entertaining because there's a chance Georgia smokes Alabama. So I'm going to go Oregon-Washington. I'm kind of intrigued by that one as well. Yeah. The thing is, there's a good chance I'll be asleep by the time it ends tonight. What time does it kick off? Seven? Seven, I believe. Yeah. Out in Las Vegas. Well, that one's on tonight. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, those games go side for a conference championship game. It's going to take forever. Uh, yeah, kicks off at 7 p.m. tonight. So that means like 7.12? Maybe even later. Bill, really, bill, 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 bill. They bill. do a lot of theatrics, and I can imagine before a 
conference championship. Uh, here's Nick Saban, Doug. He's not happy about talk of a possible SEC-less CFP. The SEC is one of the best conferences in the country. I think Georgia is one of the best teams in the country. I think if we beat them, we'd be one of the best four teams in the country. I think it would be a, a disrespect to the SEC if there is an SEC representation in the Final Four. I do believe that. Well, he has to say that. He has to state his case. Yeah. You wouldn't expect him to say, nah, the SEC doesn't need a team in there. He's not gonna I say agree that. with that, yeah. Well, I think every coach of any major conference is probably going to say that. Right. Our conference is disrespected if we go 11-1 and one and don't get in, or 12-1 and one and win our conference title and don't get in. You have to say that. They would all things. feel that way. How about this situation? Uh, stacked conference championship weekend begins tonight with Oregon and Washington in the last-ever Pac-12 title game uh, as that conference is wrapping up this evening. Um, and other championship games could be joining it in the future. The commissioners of the Power Four, which now is the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, and SEC, appear to be split on the long-term value of conference title games. Uh, Doug, these uh, could be going away uh, under an expanded college football playoff, according to a report from Yahoo Sports. Quote, it's been the right way to do things for a while. Uh, that's from the Big Ten commissioner, but down the road as the playoff changes, so uh, could other... Uh, are there other ideas to consider? Yes. ACC Commissioner Jibby Phillips oh, echoed the sentiment. We are in a period of change and assessment. Conference championships should be assessed. Is it necessary to play a 13th game? The downside is the conference championship games can be worth more than $40 million in some media rights deals, per the report. Understandably, some college leaders don't want to change. Quote, from a marketing brand and reach perspective, it's of huge value for us. Uh, that's from the Big 12 Commissioner. We look at it as a tentpole event. It's a great game, but also a great show. And SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey called the title game an important part of determining a conference champion, and the expanded playoff will give automatic bids to conference champions. Uh, it raises how much money? $40 million? $40 they, million. They're not going to get rid of it. Yeah, I mean... But my question... That's probably the SEC's, if I had to guess. Yeah. My question would be... The Big be, Tens is such a... You know, just because of the way it's set up, as things have been for since the CFP came into play, it's been Michigan-Ohio State almost every year winning that thing and then playing a lesser team. I think Michigan State got it one time and maybe Wisconsin, if I'm right. I think it was like 10 years ago is the last time the Big Ten West won the title. Is that right? I, but I, I uh, but either so. way, it's just so tilted with those two teams being in the same division. That will be going away, and you have the additions now with, um, what do we got, Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA. Am I correct? Yes. So we'll that should change the Big Ten West dynamic, but it, it, they're not doing divisions, are they? I don't think so. SEC didn't. No. My question would be, like, if you are right now, like, the conference championships, if they keep them once we go to the 12-team playoff, like, I almost feel like you wouldn't want to play. Like, Florida State, if they were to lose to Louisville this weekend, would have a chance to fall out of. Sure, we've seen a number of teams be in and then lose out, and USC was one of them last year. Yeah, right, but with a four-team, like, I feel like it's a little different because, like... Right. We're well, you're 12. getting the automatic, the buy. Ah, yeah, and, right, I right. and I think the buy in football has real value, whereas we're seeing in baseball, it may be detrimental, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. like Doug was saying earlier about the Niners, like, having that rest, especially in college football, too, where guys may be holding on to injuries for weeks, yeah. get a chance to heal up like that before a playoff game, huge, huge. But, yeah, like Florida State, if they were to lose, and this is a 12-team playoff, there's a very fair chance that they could drop out of the top 12 or top 11 because of the power group With of With only one loss? <clears throat> to Louisville. If you had, I bet there's not many one-loss teams don't get in the top 12. It would be very few and far between, but Florida State— At least a, from the Power Four conferences. Florida State's a, a weird situation this year, given the ACC's strength and their quarterback's health. Yeah. You could see a possibility when the SEC gets Texas and Oklahoma where you've got four or five teams from the SEC thinking they sure. ought to get in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. I agree with that. And that's what I think will be the fun and I think you could also have that in the Big Ten, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. ACC would be a surprise, but, hey, you never know. Just when they just about get it figured out, 
one of the conferences dissolves and <laughs> teams get spread all over the country again. I mean, the Big Ten's not going to change. It's going to be Ohio State, Michigan, but then you're going to have that USC every now and then going to win the Big Ten. And Oregon, Washington. I don't see the Illinois, the Michigan States, the Minnesotas. I think they're, I mean, they're, they don't really have a chance now. But I think the Blue Bloods or the traditionalists of the Big Ten will never have a chance now moving forward, which is fine. I think the Michigan-Iowa matchup this weekend almost seemed pointless, so it would be nice to have better teams playing against one another. Yeah, I guess. The expanded I, playoff is now two extra games just to make gambling fats happy. How long until someone like Luther Burden or Marvin Harrison Jr. types start backing out of these extra games to avoid injury risk? That's from the 636. No I'd be very surprised by that. <laughs> no what, what I Here is, Doug, if you'd like a storyline for next week, my... Uh, Theory will be some big-time Missouri players, not Cook, Schrader, Burden, um, will elect to not play in the game, whether it be it seems like it's going to be Penn State, but who knows? I, I mean, obviously, what takes place tonight and tomorrow will determine if Missouri is in a New Year's Six. Certainly, it is beyond uh, likely at this moment. But with that all said... Uh, I think that you're going to have some guys decide not to play it, just like you're going to have that from a number of schools who aren't in the Final Four. Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. But I don't think you would have that in the 12-team playoff. No, because there would be no better way to broadcast your talents than doing it on the biggest stage in college football. It's more important than doing it on a Saturday against South Carolina in September. But when you're playing for nothing in the Yankee pinstripe bowl, there's no no point playing. No, yeah. Uh, Angel the morning after sounds like he wants to wager. I'm calling it now. I will beat Michigan. I will wager whatever he would like on that, and I will take Michigan, and that sounds good. No points. He's saying they're going to beat them. Right, I know. Straight up. So, Angel the morning after, let me know what you want. Uh, Doug. uh, If that happens, would that mean no Big Ten team gets in? No, Iowa would uh, be in the uh, New Year's Six. So would Michigan. So would Ohio State. But, but I mean, in the Final Four, it's, it's, it's all dependent on what takes place in the other ones. I here, I'll I'll say this one. I actually think, and I've my my perspective on this has kind of changed over the course of the week, and it really all it took was. Kirk Herbstreit laying it out right at the end when he was after that little tiff he had with Greg McElroy on Tuesday night on ESPN. He goes, are they really going to say that if Georgia loses to Alabama, they're not one of the four best teams in the country and they'll be a one-loss team? I think Georgia's in no matter what happens. Mm. I really do. I really do. I think when you take a step back and you think of it through that lens, I think they're in no matter what happens. It's just a matter of they are one seed or they as far down as a four seed. And then I would actually tell you that if you are Michigan and you do beat Iowa, then you wouldn't want to be quote-unquote rewarded with playing Georgia. And so they would maybe make Georgia a three if they lose to Alabama. See what I'm saying? No, I get that. I totally get that. So I I think Georgia's – I'd be shocked if Georgia isn't in. I suppose if Alabama somehow beat them like 45 to 10, then perhaps. Or if there's a major injury – Take your pick of whomever. I mean, they certainly are beat up, you know, but Bowers and McConkie didn't play against Georgia Tech. My guess is if that was a game against Alabama last week, McConkie and Bowers would have played. But I don't know. I'm, I just I take a step back. Like, whereas Michigan, if you lose to Iowa, I don't. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put it. And, and then they don't have the, you know, I mean, they got Ohio State and Penn State. Don't get me wrong, but then it drops off precipitously from there. Yeah. I just I think that a loss to Iowa would be so damning, whereas a loss to Alabama wouldn't be for Georgia. What, what, do, you, what do you think on that, Plowhawk? You kind of are a Big Ten correspondent here. Repeat it. Uh, that Georgia is going to be in no matter what. And I suppose I'll give myself oh, yeah. some room for error that if Georgia were to lose by like 30 or something or had a major injury like the Jordan Travis situation <sighs> to one of their top players. Yeah, George is automatically in. You think so? Okay, yes. I thought I was. I thought I was being a takesmith. No, I don't like the like. What have you done for me lately? Like they've been the best team the entire season, and one loss in their conference championship game after like what winning twenty nine in a row. Yeah, you gotta have them in there. But the twenty nine in a row should not count towards this season. And I, 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 I've been espousing I'm that right, opinion. I agree with that. 
I, I think some people might look at it, though, like if you're a one-loss team and you've been as dominant as you've been, you should have the right to defend the title. There also is the whole thing of what the college football playoff committee's responsibility is, which is to pick the four best teams, which is so subjective. And then I think they can then create the best matchups that they want. That's why the whole Florida State thing is incredibly intriguing. Yeah, if Florida State, Washington, and Michigan all remain undefeated and Georgia loses, they might get Oh, you got a situation. They might get bounced. You got a situation. I would love to see that happen and Georgia get in and Alabama not get in. And you would just sit there and watch (laughs) Nick Saban press conferences. That's That's my question, is if Alabama beats Georgia, they would have to be in two, and now we're... Well, then you get into the Texas conversation. And that's what I'm saying. Is like It's like you almost need all three of them to go for it to be truly fair, but then now you're taking out... You can't... You have to put in... Michigan if they beat Iowa, and you have to put in the winner of the Pac-12 championship. It reminds me, I think I said it on TMA, but I might have said it on Balloon Party, about doing that parlay with, like, all of the chalk. Yeah. Because I really don't want that to happen. I don't really have any investment in any of this emotionally. I mean, once Missouri's out, I don't really care. Mm-hmm. So if I take, well, Oregon-Washington, I think the thought process is either one is going to be in. Yeah, the winner of the game. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily right, but I think that that is what it is. And, I, and for the record, I think one of them should be in, but I think I don't think it's necessarily as automatic as perhaps people think it is. But I'll, so I'll take, I'll take well, Washington's plus 320, so I'll do that one. Then I'll take Texas. They're minus 760, Doug. And Georgia, Florida State, Georgia's minus 210, Florida State's minus 125, and then Michigan's minus 3,000. I was about to say, are books even putting that on there? It is. And so there is my chalk festival, and I'd say I'll put for the hell of it, I'm going to put $10 on it, and that would pay $120.49. Not a bad pay, though. So I have a situation, like what? So it would pay $1,200 for this. Is there a possibility, I don't know exactly how the investigation is going, or is it still in progress? Like, is there a situation where... The Michigan thing's over. It's a, like Whether it's no, a, it, they, they have tended to it by suspending him for three games. He's back on the sidelines tomorrow night. Is that in, in Indianapolis? I was assume? that the end? I, I thought that one, barring further investigation, I, I didn't know that went the actual ending of the punishment. So I don't know if it's the ending of the punishment, but the committee has said they are not taking that into account. It's a Lucas Oil, yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, once I take Oregon, I bet that payout's going to be a lot less. Yeah. Allegedly, cheating is the way to go. So I put $10 on that, and if or, now switching Oregon out for Washington, or switching Washington out for Oregon, right. Doug, I put $10 on that, and now it pays $28.13. Really? How about that? For f- That's a five-team money line parlay. And it dropped $100 in the payout? Uh, yeah, that yeah, is. That's crazy. So there it is. So I just sacrificed $20 to the gods. <laughs> so I will be cheering against my bet <laughs> yeah. because I want to see one of those teams lose. Man, I'll tell you what. Well, but you don't. I was plus twelve hundred, so you don't get three thousand if you put a hundred on them. I don't know if it's worth it. The twelve to one on Iowa. No, dude. I don't. I don't know. Like they're, they're obviously a very good defensive team. I love. They're not. They're not healthy relative. I know most people probably aren't following Iowa offense, but they're not healthy either. Yeah. So, but the over of that half point in the first half, I love. Because, like, you know, Michigan runs the ball a lot. They could fumble in their own territory, and Iowa can fall on it, gain two yards, and kick a field goal. And mm-hmm. you're rich. Rich? Rich. How much do we have to put down to be rich? That's a, it's a probably minus 110. So What if you bet, like, $100,000 on that? Then you make $100,000. Nice, Doug. Let's go make $100,000. I wouldn't mind. But you'd be sweating that one out, Iowa uh, over that, the half. That's if they just score one point? Correct. It's pretty tempting. Yeah. <laughs> <Isn't> <laughs> nice. It? Let's get a sweat. Let's Isn't get some it? dopamine. Isn't it? Snort that. It's gonna. They're gonna have to create a turnover and then kick a field goal. That's pretty much the only way they're gonna be able to score. The total for the game for them is six and a half. That's right. That's right. So I guess they're counting on some like garbage time touchdown if the spread's at twenty three. Well, they're on scholarship too. Nice. Yeah, I, yeah, they sure are. Uh, Doug, uh, here's the British sexted my boss podcast. Reading a shocking letter revealing an unknown love affair with a father. Let me preface this by saying I have major daddy issues. Who was that? It's a hog. So I've always been attracted to older men. Recently, I started chatting with a blank profile on Grinder. Mm. My own profile is the typical headless torso. We were getting 
along quite well and had quite a lot of the same interests before things started to get sexual. Now, you have to remember that no pics have been exchanged up to this point. We were getting to the point where we would schedule a hookup, so the inevitable question came up. Pictures. He happened to send his pictures first, including his face, body, and <clears throat> the lower bits. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What? Well, come on, I'm, I'm on bloody eggshells here. <laughs> come on. What's happening? Oh, what? <laughs> I'm on eggshells. That's a good job. Oh, <laughs> what is it? What is it? Come on. I was shocked to be greeted with pictures of my dad. Oh. Oh. Oh, God. Have you just been sick? Have you just been sick? Oh, my God. That'd be a big hog. Yeah, that would be a, a life-altering moment, wouldn't it? I think he needs to take a breather. It's not... It's, I mean, you've sexted him, basically. Mm. At this point, I... <clears throat> at this point, I immediately closed Grinder, and essentially ghosted my own father. Yeah. Oh, Help. Way to go. What should I do? Never Anonymous. mention it again. Oh, God. Right. Remember when we said we had the guy that was shagging the watermelon? That, I mean, that seems like a Disney film now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I think you would, <laughs> you would ghost your dad and then try to convince yourself that it was just a dream. It, it, didn't, it didn't happen. It, didn't, it couldn't have happened. It God. didn't happen. I think oh that's the way God. you go about it. I, I don't know how else you could possibly handle it. Oh, Bill. Oh, Bill. Mm. Oh, you Bill. you got to bury it deep. These are one of those situations to where you just have to just bury that as deep as you can. Yeah. And then... Hey, tell yourself it was, a, it was a doppelganger, an evil twin. <laughs> it was a hacker who did that to you. Uh, I heard that and I said, wow. I need to mm. put that in the old system yeah. immediately. Mm. Bit of a nightmare scenario. Mm. Yeah. It's one thing if it's like your father-in-law. Mm. You know, that's almost Yeah, hot. that happened to Donum. That, that's yeah. not hot. Built. Well, it's hotter. <laughs> and, uh, it wouldn't be hot, no. <laughs> uh, Mr. 63011 has a fast golf cart, Doug, yeah. and says this is a low point for TMA. Let's be better, fellas. Back to Casper's date night. That's for Mr. 63011. Mm. Okay. That's just, that's tough. We're just reporting news. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want us to do? Ignore yeah. the story? Yeah. We are at our very foundation, a news outlet. Yeah. Yeah. And those poor guys, they're just trying to do a little podcast. Yeah. And Next someone you know. rattled to his very <laughs> base. Uh, Doug, a story that uh, we had always kind of, me and you, that is, wondered about, uh, as in how would it work, now looks like it won't be happening. Uh, Yadier Molina, one of the most accomplished catchers in St. Louis Cardinals history, will not join the team's coaching staff in 2024, despite some apparent mutual interest. Molina will not take on a Cardinal coaching role next year, but he plans to serve as a special advisor for the franchise this upcoming season, according to a report from ESPN's international baseball insider Enrique Rojas. Fox 2 Sports Director Martin Kilcoyne reported last month that Molina and the Cardinals had previously discussed coaching opportunities and there was some degree of mutual interest. For the upcoming season, Molina will take on a relatively scaled-back supervisor role that involves scheduled visits to spring training and the regular season. Rojas further adds that Molina's long-term plan is to be a major league manager and he is hopeful the upcoming experience will prepare him for that. So uh, he will not be on the Cardinal coaching staff this year. I, from the get-go, the thing is, it was Martin reporting it, and so I know Martin isn't, you know, Martin's well past the point where you start to try to get attention for yourself on social media. You know, he he was in the know, so to speak, and he never said it was happening, um, but he is the one who reported it that got that going. I just could never see how you can have that guy it's like if you had Don Corleone working for people. It just wasn't it just wasn't realistic, especially when one guy is gonna lose his job if he has a bad season. And I'm talking about Ali Marmol. Hell, the president of baseball operations may as well. And Molina would be the most domineering personality of, of the three. 
So he will not be in that spot. Yeah, yeah color me shocked. <laughs> I mean, he made darn near, I was trying to find it real quickly, it looks like he made close to $100 million in his career. You think he's going to want to make all those road trips into Cincinnati and Pittsburgh and Milwaukee again to, to sit and watch the Cardinals play for three, three and a half hours a night and, the, and coach a catcher? Right. I, I, I didn't see it. The only way it would make sense is if it was a means to an end, like he wanted to eventually become a major league baseball manager and understandably, like Skip Schumacher was a bench coach for a year and then became a manager, manager yeah. of the year. So unless it was to get to a certain point, it would make no sense for him just to be a bench coach. But if he wanted to be a manager one day, it would make some sense. I don't know if he would be hired outright as a manager. I just don't see that he's got the personality for it. What now, was to your mind when you were told that the contract was done? What's that? His brother, what Benji. Give examples. His brother, Benji's got it. Yeah, drop by. In. We were yeah. getting ready to do a balloon party yesterday, and he walks into the studio just to say what's up to us. Yeah. And right. Ben Boyd, of course. Nice. He did the With same thing here. Shakes everybody's hand. Yeah. How are you doing? Everybody's bet. That's fantastic. what a manager acts like. Right. But we've only seen Yai, to be fair, in a player role. If he was in a manager role, he might act differently. Well, we've seen him in a, owning a basketball team role, and he's kicking basketballs <laughs> during the game yep. into the crowd. I think I I, yep. I gotta, love him to death, but it would be a nightmare if he was the manager of the team. You'd have to be a real people person and have a lot of patience to be a manager. Patience with dumb people like us asking you questions all day long, every day from the beginning of February to the end of October. I also don't know how he would do... Number one, winning cures all. So if he were to win, you would have like a Belichick situation. And now Belichick's act is like, oh, well, you know, he still thinks it's, you know, five years ago where he had equity. He doesn't have it anymore. But if he wins, you can act however. I think he would have a tough time. One of the one of the traits that maybe flies under the radar with with respect to its importance. And this is this is beyond baseball. But LaRusso was really good at it uh, is the keeping things in the room. I mean, one of the things that I thought was, I don't know, just didn't really match up with the competitor that he is was with, like, the like the Angel Reese-like social media <laughs> campaign he ran against Mike Matheny. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just like, dude, you know, it was you're odd. in your late 30s. Yeah, yeah. You're on Instagram shading your manager. He's a bit of a prickly personality. And I'm not sure that that's what you want in the manager. I asked Bernie Federko once why he didn't ever want to be the coach of the Blues because he's got the perfect personality to be yeah. head coach. It was a great captain. Everybody loves Bernie. Bernie gets along with everyone. He had all the credentials in the world to be a head coach in the NHL. He said he preferred to do the broadcasting. He was afraid all it would take was one horrible season as a head coach with the Blues. He'd be out. That'd be it. He'd be done. And now he's going to be remembered as a failed head coach instead of a Hall of Fame player. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. Mm-hmm. There's something to be said for that. Didn't think of it that way, but yeah, I, I get what he's saying on that. Because there's not a lot of great players that go on to be managers. There's a few, but right. not a lot. Frank Robinson was a great player. Joe Torre was a really good player. Ted Williams was one of the best of all time, not a particularly good manager. But most peop- most players at that level don't want anything to do with it. Red Shane Deist? Yeah, he was a good player, yeah. But most of them now, a lot of them, you know, barely played at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marmol didn't play. Do you think baseball would be, like, the most Schilt? accepting sport of a, a person who didn't play the sport being Football. the coach? Football. NFL, let's yeah. A bunch of them didn't play. Yeah. Benji was on the Riz show yesterday and said Yachty was managing in Venezuela last year and got thrown out of his first four games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cheap like, for the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. The fire that's... wouldn't be the problem. Oh, He's got my God. That. I, and that's the thing. I've, I've, I've vocalized this on this show before, probably on 101 as well, that my appreciation for Yachty or Molina's competitiveness and play on the field is high but I feel like the St. Louis Cardinal fan that, that goes beyond just the metropolitan area because it's a regional franchise uh, is way higher than mine as like a baseball guy. And I never really understood it. I don't know. I don't know why. I just know that that's the case. I think if you asked people who their favorite player was and you gave them the choice of Wainwright, Pujols, Molina, I don't know if Molina would win it. But Molina would be a way higher percentage than you would expect, I think. Mm-hmm. And... You talk about what Federko just said. 
people, I think, might <laughs> might gasp in horror as to what they would see from him when he's managing in the postgame press conference. I, don't, I also don't think he could care any less about the perceived, you know, mm-hmm. reputation. So whereas Federico does and would, I don't. I think Molina's just like, I want to win. He is consumed by winning. I just don't know how he would manage the player relationships. I mean, the media is one thing. I, that isn't as big because if you're winning, it kind of doesn't matter. Um, but, yeah, I just – I've either way, that's not in play right now. Him being – third or fourth in command in the organization was the part that I just, he can't be a subordinate. Mm-hmm. It's just not who he is. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't even when he was a player here. And I guess people knew that, but, you know. Yeah, managing is a, a lot of work. And if you were a perennial all-star type player who made a fortune, I'm not sure that you want to do all that. If you're a career manager like Larusa, you know, it's all he's ever done. Herzog, same way. But if, but if you had a stellar playing career and you got all the money you could possibly spend, I'm not sure you want all that day-to-day frustration of 11, 12-hour right. days and the travel that goes with it. And so then that's what goes back to, because I used to wonder that exact same thing. And, and that was when I recall, I mean, I was actually with him. We were at spring training. It was Edmonds. And uh, he, he said, people don't want to hear it, but... Because, I mean, how many people in the world get to experience this? And it's, so, therefore, it's not something those, these guys will say publicly. Um, but, you know, we're done. Most, if we're lucky, we get to our late 30s. Most don't even do that. Mm-hmm. And if you did get to your late 30s in this era, that means you played for probably 12 minimum major league seasons. So that means you also have your pension set up. But also, and you made a fortune. But you made... Yeah. Good chance you made nine figures. Yeah. So you don't have to work ever again. Your kids don't have to work. But then it's fun for a few months, and then you go, oh, my God, I'm bored out of my mind. And on top of it, not only are you bored, but throughout, you know, from the time you were five or six years old, you've been competing. And that's what you know. And you're also likely motivated by competition. And now that that void of having a purpose of getting up and going to work out or going to the ballpark to play day in, day out, too, with baseball, it's just gone. And so after a little while, you want to fill it, even though you don't need it for the money, you want to fill that competitive void and feel like you have some semblance of a purpose, which is why I sit there and go, what in the hell is he doing calling Cardinal games? Um, but well, it's that's just one way to do it. It's kind of a part-time basis. Sure, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, it, but it doesn't it doesn't fill the competitive void. No, but at least they're kind of still in the game and they're still around the guys and they're still, you know, going to stadiums and people patting them on the back about how great you were when you played. There's still some of that. Yeah, without the competitive part. W- without the eight or nine, ten-hour days. And if you are Yachty or Molina and you are a competitor, you... You may need that. I mean, we saw it with the kick in the basketball thing, and then now you got Benji Molina talking about him getting thrown out of his first four games. I mean, holy crap. Listen, I would love to see it from an entertainment standpoint, but I really wonder if it would wind up changing the perception of him from Cardinal fans who put him on this pedestal of, you know, being one of the most popular Cardinals I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, I feel like the Midwest Regional Cardinal fan looks at Molina as a blue-collar player, wants to win and play at all costs, even during injury, keeps to himself. That's from the 636. Well, that's some of that. How horrible is the umpiring where you're getting thrown out <laughs> four games in a row? How can you get that angry every night? I mean, once in a blue moon, someone will really botch a call. Okay. But are you getting thrown out because the he called a ball that was maybe caught the corner of the plate or how would Manfred handle if a manager, a first year <laughs> manager on the opening series, opening weekend series got kicked out of all four games. Yeah. You got to really do something to get thrown out now too. Yeah. For real. Doug's Bobby look Cox after was... Jackson's comment was perfect. I love the YouTube live stream. That's from too fat to kayak. What was What's Jackson's coming? comment? What was Doug's look? I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, I just don't know. <laughs> Good call there, Plow. Yeah, yeah, Yanni always struck me as a lead by example guy. No, no, that's obviously not like a crazy take. So if you literally can't set the example because mm-hmm. you're not playing, I don't know how he would be as a leader. I don't, but I don't know. I don't. I've never seen him in the manager role. But if you got replay on a lot of the close calls, I'm still concerned <laughs> how you get tossed in the first four. Well, I don't know if they have replay. Oh, by the way, that reminds me of something I saw last night on my my uh, Twitter timeline. Did anybody see the George Brett thing Mm-mm, in the '85 no. World Series? Mm-mm. Can you pl- pull up Buster only Plowhawk if you can pull it? I don't know how if you can play it from your. Uh, I know that desktop is the bane of your existence. <laughs> Buster only retweeted this. It's some show they're doing. I don't know if they're doing a show on the uh, 85 World Series or if it's a show on Joe, uh, George Brett. Yeah, it's the top of Olney's uh, timeline. And it's a two-minute and ten, and it's about the, the play that, you know, the, the missed call against Don Dankinger, and it's George Brett. And I, and he ends it with, suck it, St. Louis. Oh! And it's an interview that's done this year, and it's a special that's airing on... I, I, it's hashtagged MLBN Brett yeah. premieres one week from today at 8 Eastern. My guess is that, therefore, it's something on George Brett. Mm-hmm. But the clip is a two-minute clip about that moment in the World Series. And he is banty as all get out. And I'm like, well, if this is on the 85 World Series. How come they didn't interview any members of the 85 Cardinals? Because I know what they would say because I've talked to those guys away yeah. from cameras about it. Almost 40 years later, they're still not real thrilled. Absolutely, because it cost them a World Series. Mm-hmm. And then he goes into like what the Kansas City fan mindset. You can tell he's bothered by his one championship is tainted and, and hey, 40 years later, that bothers him too. Uh, can you play it from there, Plowhawk? Yeah, two minutes, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yep, yep, here you go. All right, hit the lever, Plowsy. Sitting in the first base dugout, so we had a pretty good view of what was going on. Laurel races over to cover, the throw doesn't get him. Laurel got to the bag in an argument here, and here comes Herzog. The play just wasn't smooth. And I could have swore sitting in the first base dugout that he was safe. Looks like he's out. Well, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Guess what? He was out. Fortunately for us, he called it safe. The people in St. Louis to this day still think it was Game 7 because they think they lost the World Series on that call. They still dropped a pop-up that inning. And Clark doesn't know where he is. They still had a pass ball. That gets away from Porter and the runners move up. And they still blame that on Dankinger. I think we played 174 ball games this year. That's the first time we got beat in the ninth inning. I thought the guy was out at first base. Well, I'm pretty perturbed about that call. For crying out loud, St. Louis, and I have friends that live in St. Louis, Don Dankinger, he made a bad call. Made a bad call. If they call him out, we still might have won the game. You, you don't know. That was game six. Come out and play game seven. That's all you had to do was play game seven. And the pitchers in the end drill to left field, hooking down the line, and gone. Two nothing lead. Three nothing Royals. Six seven. Eight to nothing. They're a double figure. And it's 11 to nothing as this massacre goes on. You didn't show up for game seven, you lost 11 nothing. Suck up. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Well, he's right about not showing up for Game 7. <laughs> Hard to argue that point. The thing that I'm just like, I mean, again, it's it has been 40 years, but I, I will go to my grave with this. If, if you don't think that what transpired with a hideously blown call that is still talked about by people who aren't Cardinals or Royals fans, I mean, it is, it is considered like if you're doing Mount Rushmore of blown calls, it is mm-hmm. up there, and you don't even have to be a baseball fan to know that name, Don Denkinger. But what transpired with that call contributed to the unraveling of the Cardinals with the miss pop-up. Mm-hmm. I think it was Daryl Porter and Jack Clark, and then Daryl Porter with the pass ball. And, you know, so one of the things, at least he didn't do this one, 
because this is when, when I just showed up at the University of Missouri thinking, oh, Kansas City guys, it'd be nice to get to know you. But uh, how about the 85 World Series? I'm like, you won it. What are you so upset about? George Orta wound up being out at third base anyway, so it didn't matter. And I'm like, it was a fielder's choice, so they would have thrown to first base. I mean, like, they're more upset about it over there, I think. And you can here's George Brett. That was his one World Series, and you can tell it bothers mm-hmm. him that it's tainted. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's why he's all worked up about it. But the psychological effect of having something like that happen, that is what contributed to what took place afterwards. And I have talked to guys who are on that 85 team, multiple guys who are on that 85 team, and they all worshipped, well, I shouldn't say I didn't talk to every member of the roster, but they loved Whitey Herzog, the ones I did talk to. But Whitey Herzog said if there's one thing, or not Herzog, but the guys said they got back into the clubhouse that night, and he was so furious about it. He said, they just took the World Series from us. And so the mindset was, we're not going to be able to, you know, pick ourselves up because we were about to win it and it was taken away from us. And so that is why the Game 7 thing took place. And if you recall, Doug, because I don't think the Plowhawk or Jackson or KG and O-Town were on the show the morning after Game 6 of the 2011 World Series, Ozzie Smith was on the show. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And he said, it's over. He said that regarding the Cardinals and Rangers. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was awfully telling because there are only a handful of people who know what it's like to be where the Texas Rangers were, and Ozzie Smith's one of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he knew psychologically it didn't matter what Ron Washington said, and later somehow that was leaked, uh, what he said before the Rangers took the field that night. There was nothing they were going to do to be able to stop that. And... That speaks to the psychology. It's human nature. And, hey, it's not George Brett's fault or, you know, Brett Saberhagen's fault or Dick Hauser's fault what took place with that call. But that's what makes it so unfortunate is that they did win a World Series, but it does have an asterisk next to it. I bet George Brett and the other members of that Royals team can never discuss the 85 World Series without somebody saying, well, if it weren't for that call, you would have lost. Yeah, and, that, and, and so that would be tilting. That and that's why I think, and if I were to theorize how, why, and how, like the, the Kansas City with St. Louis thing existed, I believe if the Royals would have just won the World Series in a standard win of a World Series, I mm-hmm. don't think that would have gone on like it did, or maybe still does. I don't know. Uh, but the, I, I, this popped up in my timeline last night, and the first thing you see is is Warrell Clark and her. And I'm like, oh, they're doing a special in the 85 World Series. That's kind of out of nowhere. There's really no anniversary here. But I think it's on Brett. And then the two-minute clip that you just heard is what they showed. And Brett is banty as all get out yeah. and ends it with suck it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his justification, you know, I mean, but it's, it's, you're coming at it from his perspective. Cardinal fans are coming at it from their perspective. I would like to think somebody who doesn't have any skin in the game would go, yeah, well, the Cardinals fell apart because they had a call that was terrible go against them. And then that is what's funny. You can go, well, they got to get over it. Well, that's fine. You know, but <laughs> you know what I say, Doug, watch this. Ba, men, ba, not machines. Oh, yeah. Think ba, about that. men, not machines. Like the manager against you. That's right. Ah, uh, yeah. It still, still bugs them. And that's, that's the only solace we can get from it. Yeah. Is that we had it taken away from them, but they got to live with knowing they wouldn't have won if not for a horrible call. Then they win in 2015, probably alleviate some of that. For yeah, fans, for not that for group, guys like For George that group Red. of players, yeah, yeah right. Not right. for the ones that won it in 85. No. Parallels, too, is both uh, games in Kansas City after Game 7, Kansas City after that, and Game 7 in St. Louis after the Game 6 and 11. Yeah. You know, that, that compounds it. The one team that did come back a little bit was the Astros. Absolutely. After the, after the Albert Pujols Absolutely. home run. And I'd be curious if that would have wound up playing out that way if it were a Game 6 situation. You know, I don't know. Uh-huh. But to their credit, they absolutely did. Because I recall that morning in Houston, we did the show from a place right across from Minute Maid Park. And even though the Cardinals were down 3-2, to two, they were heading back to St. Louis. And I think everybody, including people in Houston, thought the Cardinals were going to win the next two games. Mm-hmm. And so when they came out, and that's, that's the great equalizer that is a pitcher. Roy Oswalt dealt Mark Mulder. Um, it's nothing against Mark. I, I know some of his teammates didn't think he was the most mentally tough guy. Uh, and it started to get away from him a little bit. Not that like they got blown out, but Oswald was so good that it was never really in question. And, uh, and to their credit, they ended it. But that's different than a call. Yeah. A call, you know. I mean, it's been 13 years for Armando Galarraga, 
And, you know, he had a perfect game. And it was just mm-hmm. absolutely blown by Jim Joyce. Right. I mean, that, that stuff is brutal. It's At least it won't happen anymore. Exactly. That's, what, that's yeah. what I was just about to say. It's good that it won't happen anymore. Game uh, game 7 and 85, Andrew Hart was a starting <laughs> pitcher and absolutely came unglued. He did. And he got thrown out early in that game. Like and John that. Tudor came in. I yeah. believe he broke his hand on a toilet, I think, in the, in the clubhouse. Smashing it, yeah. But yet the one hope we had was that at least we got Andohar pitching Game Seven. Well, guess who was behind home plate that night? Dankinger. Yes, so that was nice. Yeah, <laughs> and I can't recall who told me this, and it was recent too, that Herzog was debating, or the thing that Herzog regrets is Peter Uberoth, who was the commissioner, was in the front row. And he was debating whether or not to let him know he was taking the, f- the team off the field or to go and say, hey, you got to do something about this. You can't let this happen. And he didn't do it. And that is his one great regret. He thought it was going to keep him out of the Hall of Fame. It wound up not because he had one world championship, but he thought not having two would keep him out of the Hall of Fame. He wound up getting in. He thought Uberoff might reverse the call? I, that he didn't go over and have a conversation with... Peter yeah. Uroth, I don't know. I mean, that, but that, that's like his one career regret yeah. was was how he handled that in the moment. Because well, what would you have done as a commissioner in that case? If I'm not manager, the commissioner. I can't answer that. If the, if the manager wants you to change a call, he'd have had to say, I can't do yeah, that. Yeah, I can't do you it. You know I can't do that. And then if he would have said, because I think, I, 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 you know, again, it's not fair to name people if they didn't want it out there. But one of the guys, I remember talking, this was a while ago. Um, Ozzy's talked about it, obviously, but this was another player on the team who was like, uh, I mean, we knew when we were sitting there, we were done, but wasn't just because of what happened. It was because our manager had told us we're done. Yeah. And that set the stage for that thing. Well, it's been probably just as bad for Dinkinger as it was for the Cardinals because it haunted him the rest of his life. The one thing you don't want as an official is to ever make the wrong call, a bad call that costs a team a game in a big game. Or in any game, really, but especially with one with a championship on the line, that's every official's oh, worst absolutely. nightmare. Sure, and he had to live with that until his dying days. Uh, and little Dutch boy, which I couldn't agree more. And I was thinking about it when it uh, took place in 2019. That's why Barubi's attitude after the hand pass was a moment of how a coach really does influence players. Couldn't agree more. I thought that. I mean, I thought. I remember thinking that in the moment, watching not only Barubi, but really more importantly, the players, the way they handled that hand pass thing. Now. I think most people would agree the hand pass was not as egregious as the Dinkinger thing. I don't think the Dinkinger thing, I don't know how you're going to top the Dinkinger thing. Um, I mean, I'm sure there have been regular season games where you go, oh my God, how'd that happen? But with a championship on the line in that moment for a call that bad, for a broadcast to call attention to it too. Mm. Who was that, Al Michaels and McCarver, I think? Yeah, it was definitely Al Michaels. I think McCarver was with Yeah, him. I think it was McCarver's first World Series, actually. Uh, Lisa Ann's going to join us here on the other side of the break. You can text your two-part questions in, 314-881-TMA5. And you can also uh, send your emails in for our design, air, heating, and cooling email today. Jackson and I will deal with it. Coming up in the uh, 10 o'clock hour on Balloon Party 101 ESPN, Gabe will be joining us at 1015. This is TMA, presented to you by Brown and Crouppen from the Michelob Ultra Studios.